Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Crunch Time. I'm Mikey here, joined by Sam. How you doing, Sam? Doing pretty solid. It's been a minute, Mikey. Uh, glad to be back on the episode of Crunch Time. Uh, episode 50, let's make it one to remember. Yeah, thank you. We just want to say a thank you for everyone who supported us throughout the way. Uh, we've had Crunch Time for about 10 months now, so we're going on a year in March. So thank you all so much for the support. All right, so we're going to get into it. Let's just go into the NBA a little bit. You know, I just want to make a point about the NBA real quick because I think that I know it's only been about 20 games, 25 games for most teams, but I feel like this year especially, the playoff field has not really formed yet. You have the teams that you expect to be good still have pretty mediocre records. And I know with COVID, there's been a lot of injuries. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of problems. Teams have been inconsistent. You've had to not play for a week. It's just something interesting to point out in the NBA. And given to this, due to this, I think that these average young teams, let's say the Knicks, the Bulls, the Hornets, have a better shot on a nightly basis against good teams like the Pacers, the Celtics, that you expect to find in the playoffs and, and find success. So that's just something I want to point out right off the bat about the NBA. Yeah, actually, I want to bring up an act- a very interesting point. I think during episode 25, we had a pre-MLB season discussion, and we discussed what the, the MLB field would look like. And I said there, the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams in the league would be very significant. I don't know if you remember that. I said the difference between a team like the Yankees and a team at the bottom like the Tigers would be very significant for a bunch of reasons, the star power, uh, like the chemistry. In the NBA, yeah. actually, it looks a lot different because – the lack of chemistry, it's it's constant throughout all the teams. All the teams are dealing with the same things. All these teams are relatively new. I feel like not that many of these teams are like dynasty teams that have been together for years. Right. Uh, a majority of the league is comprised of new and upcoming, you know, young stars with a couple of veterans here and there, and this right. often kind of shook stuff up a lot, a, a lot. So I think the difference between the top and the bottom has actually decreased a lot. Like you look at a team like the Warriors who are, you know, the eight seed in the West and you put them up against the number one seed in the West, the Jazz. I mean, a seven game series, that's a close series. You really don't even know who's going to come up on top. Then you look at the Bucks and you put them against, you know, a team like the Pacers who might finish as an eight seed. That's a solid series. We know how valuable these 10th and ninth seeds are this year, given the fact that there is a play-in team that teams have a chance. So I think this season is perfect. It's also a good evaluation for a lot of young teams like the Knicks, the Hornets, the Cavs are one team that are, that are on my radar. I think Sexton Garland have been outstanding this season so far. We saw Sexton put on a show against the Nets a couple weeks ago. I think it's just something interesting to point out and that, you know, this lapse in NBA standings with your clear winners besides the Lakers, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Sixers, it's going to be very interesting. And I think that NBA fans are going to have to hold their breath a little bit and wait for the last week to really see if this playoff bracket kind of formulates with from the fifth seed back. Yeah, man, for sure. I think the Sixers have definitely been an interesting team. They've uh, struggled for years throughout the regular season. Obviously, they've lost a lot of close games, you know, to Eastern Conference teams, whether it was down the stretch in the regular season or – you know, the second round of the playoffs, trying to make that final push to being a championship team. But I honestly, I feel like this season, it looks like everything is clicking. Last season, they obviously struggled with their lack of perimeter shooters to surround Ben Simmons. Obviously, the unbelievable additions of Seth Curry. Seth and, Curry, yeah. And uh, Green even have been really helpful for them because now Ben Simmons, you see the trust starting to set in. 
mm-hmm. you can see that instead of forcing up an off-balance shot, a fadeaway shot in the paint, he's comfortable kicking out for a corner three. I think the chemistry looks unbelievable. And I, I think the final piece was, I don't think it was necessarily a final piece for the Sixers. It was just if Embiid could kind of, you know, get it together and make that final push into being an MVP caliber player. We all knew he, he is this year. Yeah, we all knew he was capable of it. It was just, can his three ball be consistent? Right. Can his defense be, you know, top three in the NBA? And can he create for his teammates uh, a few times a game? And he's done that and even more. I don't mean to be a little cheesy right now, but Joel Embiid said trust the process for all these years. And I think the Sixers, they trusted the process. They got Embiid. Simmons, they went out. You got Seth Curry. Danny Green, you know, I think, what, a two-time, three-time champion? And now yeah. you're losing in the Eastern Conference, and you are absolutely dominating. Tobias Harris has stepped up for them. I think Shake Milton has played a very prominent role in their offense. And honestly, I think that the Sixers might – this might finally be their year. I'm not going to say to win the finals or, or anything like that, but they could compete, and they have a very complete team to go against teams like the Nets, the Bucks, the Celtics in a seven-game series. I think they're very competitive. They'll be competitive throughout the playoffs. I think they're actually one piece away from winning the championship. And I think Tobias Harris is the problem. I'm not saying he's been playing bad, but I think he's actually been playing unbelievably. But I think where the, the Sixers should try to do something is they should try to ship Tobias Harris for a, and upgrade him for, a, you know, an all-star player. They have a surplus of depth. They have a lot of players that don't get a lot of minutes just because of, you know, the stardom on their team. So if you can pair Tobias Harris with, you know, a guy on their bench, even like a guy like Danny Green. Or, or like Furkan Korkmaz, even like all these little, all these guys. Exactly. Or maybe even Maxi, Because. I don't I, know if they'd be willing to give him a Maxi though. Well, but if they can get a significant upgrade for Tobias Harris. Yeah. Like, if they can get a guy like Bradley Beal or, you know, at the deadline. Yeah. It would be worth it, maybe. I mean, yeah, now that you brought up Tyrese Maxey, let's get into this rookie class a little bit. I've been I've been impressed sometimes from this rookie class. Obviously, we know what LaMelo Ball is capable of. Put on a 34-point show the other day. I think he's had a few triple-doubles so far. Tyrese Maxey has actually been pretty good with the Sixers, given limited minutes. And we're Knicks fans. We have to point out Emmanuel quickly, the steal of the draft so far. He's, I think he has the second most points out of rookies, and he's not even top 10 in minutes, which I have a very – big problem with and we, we don't need to get into that but i think coach Thibbs needs to do a much better job of, of managing the Knicks' playing time you know alfred payton is getting way too much playing time so i just want to hear your thoughts about emmanuel quickly's playing time because you're a Knicks fan and i know we we want him to be that piece of the future so i, I don't know i want to hear your thoughts first off it scares me that the knicks are building for this like impossible playoff run this year that they think they're going to achieve and if that was the case i don't know why they're you know getting these washed up old scrubs who are going to take minutes away from the young guys i mean we all know that derrick rose is not the final piece in the Knicks championship caliber and we all know he's probably going for 29 minutes a game honestly with coach tips we saw this is what i'm scared about this is kind of looking like minnesota you brought in Gibson. I think you brought in, right, Joakim Noah was there. Derek Rose. And then look how Minnesota turned out. They ended up getting, Dang. Yeah, they ended up getting the first pick, but that means you're one of the worst teams in the NBA. Carl Anthony Towns has not been pleased at all. And frankly, they look horrible right now. They are not in a position 
to even come close to competing in the Western Conference. And I don't want to put this all in fibs, but, you know, you trade away picks, you trade away young guys, and then you get old. I mean, like Rose, like, but then now you have Alfred Payton, who's been involved in the past few days, but he's clearly not the answer. Alec Burks, I mean, you already have Austin Rivers as your veteran guard. What more do you need? If I were the Knicks right now, if I were the Knicks right now, I'd just quit, like, while we're ahead, honestly. Like, as great as we've looked throughout the season, whatever, we've won nine games out of 22. It's no secret that we're not going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of time before everything collapses in front of us. Julius Randle is a stud. Julius, if by miracle you're listening to this podcast, I love you. You've kept this team together. You've carried this team on your back from day one. All the Knicks fans hated on you, and you give them a reason to cheer. But I'm sorry, your time is up. We, you don't deserve to be here, honestly. You're, you're way too good for us. We don't deserve to have you. I think we should chop you to a contender and just build up draft capital and prepare for the future. I think that we should get whatever we can for Alfred Payton. Should get whatever. We're not getting anything for Alfred. I doubt it. I, getting rid of him is what's important. I, 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 I would cut him at this point. He's, 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 you could get a second round pick out of him. If you could get like something for Kevin Knox, maybe a couple second round picks, shop Frank. We have absolutely no use for him anymore. He is walked. He's terrible. He's really horrible. And, but I, okay, I kind of want to uh, stop you for a second. I agree. With the part that I think Randall Pop maybe isn't the best, you know, answer for us. He's not part of this big three that we're that some Knicks fans are imagining with quickly RJ and Randall. I personally, you know, I know that RJ and Randall have worked on their off the court chemistry. You've seen it become friendly, but I don't think they work well together on the court. RJ Barrett is not a shooter. Okay. I know he's been shooting very efficiently, but come on. He's not that great of a shooter at all. He's taking much better shots, which is why his shot percentages are skyrocketing from last season. Randall needs shooters around him. Reggie Bullock thrives around him. Alec Burks thrives around him. Emmanuel quickly even thrives around him. RJ Barrett is not really benefiting from this Randall run offense. If you give RJ Barrett the keys, if you give Emmanuel quickly the keys together, that's your backcourt of the future. I disagree with you the fact that you think we should give up because if we can make the playoffs with this young core, then you can possibly attract you know, a big free agent, possibly, because they see, hey, this isn't that big of a team. I'm going to be the star, but I've got good guys around. Let's look at the Clippers. I have they a question. Fought- wait, wait. I just want to bring up the Clippers. They yeah. fought hard against the Warriors. They showed some promise. They were the eighth seed. People took note of them. And then, you know, Kawhi and PG went to them. Fair enough. Ask me the question. Okay. You've been alive for 15 years now. Yeah. You've watched the Knicks. You've watched right. them yeah. from days as the two seed in the East to days that, yeah. you know, they were competing with the Pacers. Yeah. I remember that series. Celtics. Yeah. And you've seen them win 15 games with the starting lineup of Cole Aldridge, Jason Smith. It's been bad. What's you know, the question? Yeah, I don't you're making me sad. What's the question? Who in their right minds would come to the Knicks by choice as a quality star free agent? That's the question. And if you realistically think that the Knicks are going to attract a big time star, then I think you're out of your mind. In the NBA, you don't win championships with, you know, second tier stars. 
you either, I think as the Knicks, you either sign a quality guy who's a top 15 player, or I don't even think you try to sign a guy like DeMar DeRozan and just comp- you no, know. no, no. Okay, but I'm not talking about DeMar DeRozan. I'm talking about a big DeRozan. I think DeRozan would be a massive step backwards for us. Exactly. But, but as, the Knicks, as the Knicks, you sign a guy like DeMar DeRozan and you're, you know, competing for mediocrity. You don't, you're not, we're not going to get a top 12 guy. We're not getting anyone. We're not getting Joel Embiid. We're not getting Ben Simmons. We're not getting LeBron, Kawhi, you know, Stephen Curry. We got to get, but if we're well, not I'm saying, those, but then what's the point? But what's the point of, you know, going all out if you're not going to get one of those guys? You just I'm not saying to go all out, but I'm saying if we're going to win with this eight seed and you have quickly RJ thriving, I'm not even saying Randall. Maybe you ship Randall to Boston or Milwaukee for like Dante and a first, like something like that. But there's no reason for us to just root for the Knicks to tank because the more we tank, A, I mean, you're really happy seeing us tank, and B – I'm not happy seeing us tank, but I'm also. What does that do? What does that? But yeah, what does it do? What does it do if we're the eighth seed and we get swept in the first round? We get a horrible draft pick, and we know we can't draft well. It shows up. Well, it shows that once you draft decent people, it's our first year with a new head coach. Our head coaches have been absolutely terrible recently. This is Coach Dibbs' first year. You lead this team that. Yeah, he's somewhat capable, but also like. I don't understand like what difference it will make if we're the eight seed this year and we get swept in the first round, or if we, you know, we're a team of completely young players. This yeah, going to the eighth, going to the, eighth, going to the playoffs would bring such a big confidence boost to our players that we want to build around. We're not saying to get. I'm not saying to get DeRozan. I think if we got DeRozan, it'd be a massive step backwards because we're going in the eight seed. If we get the eight seed with DeRozan, it's a massive step backwards because you give up some of your future for DeRozan, and that's the best you can provide. But if you're getting to the eight seed with quickly and RJ, that's a huge accomplishment within itself. And under a first year head coach, that's a huge accomplishment. And think about what that does to RJ's. And let's say we get rid of Randall because honestly, I think that we can get some worth for Randall. I personally don't think we're winning much with Why Randall. Is, but the thing is, I think we're probably on the same page here. If we trade Randall, I it cannot be for a second tier star where we end up giving, you know, we end up giving the assets to acquire someone better. We need a first rounder, hundred percent. We need a first rounder. We need the future assets and the draft capital and you know the the compensation for Randall. We need to protect our future. We can't give up first. You know, some miracle run this year that we know is never going to happen. I think we're both in agreement there that we're not going to go all out for Julius Randle. And well, I don't think we go all out for DeMar DeRozan, but I have no problem if the Knicks play their hearts out this entire season with a young core, with a new head coach, and make it to the eighth seed. But, but the problem is you're so desperate to get back into the glory days, which is understandable. You've seen us suck for so long. You've seen, you know, the worst franchise in the history of the NBA these past 10 years. But at the end of the day, why would you rush a rebuild if, you know, you, you realize you're not getting anywhere? Wait, Honestly, wait, wait, What am I rushing? What am I rushing? You know, I'm like just I- rooting for quickly and RJ to carry us to the eight seed. I'm not getting, I'm not saying to get DeRozan. Like, I really think that we should just trade everything. Like, right now. Like, besides, there are, there are four untradeable players on this team in my eyes right now. Who, who? RJ Barrett. Okay, yes. Mitch Robinson. Emmanuel. Mitch- Emmanuel quickly. I don't think Mitch is untradeable. I think he's at the moment he's untradeable. At this very moment in time, I think it would be. He doesn't very- even put up ten points per game. 
Yeah, but he's at least part of our future. At least I could look five years from now and be like, yeah, I, I want I guess. I guess. As much as I think he's going to be a horrible NBA player, you can't give up on Obi Toppin yet. Those are the four players that I would never trade if I were the Knicks at the deadline. Well, I agree that those are the four untouchable players. That, other than that, everyone's fair game. Get rid of Julius Randle. Get rid of Austin Rivers. Well, you, Okay, yeah. We have too many guards now with Rose. I think you got to get rid of Rivers. He's not. He, he's good once a month. Let's be real. He's good once a month. Um, but you he got it. Valuable asset for a contender. I don't. I feel like Austin Rivers and Alec Burks, they've never been anything more than a guy that comes off the bench and gives you 13, 14 minutes, 10 points, you know, off decent shooting. Why are they on the Knicks? Like, you, we are not the team for you. We are the team for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly to have mega minutes. And this is what gets me so frustrated about Coach Thibbs' rotations because Emmanuel Quickly is getting 12 minutes a game the past few games. I, all right, I understand where you're coming from, but also, like, this is where I'm going to have to defend Tibbs. Right now, we're a competitive basketball team. Like, as you said, we're, we're in the hunt. And as much as I'd love to see Obi Toppin get minutes, right now, we can't just give minutes. Like, we're technically still a team that's competing for, you know, the eight seed. So you can't just, like, and while, like, these veterans are on the team, they might as well, you know, get some minutes in Tibbs' eyes because he's, his job is to win us basketball games, not to rebuild at the moment. It's not like we're the 14th seed and we're eliminated from the playoffs. Later in the season, once we get eliminated from the playoffs, yeah, by all, means, by all means, play Obi Toppin 30 minutes a game for all I care. It won't matter. But at this moment in time, like, but you know, playing a guy like Randall isn't the worst thing in the world. No, 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 no. Not Randall. Randall's our best player. We have to play Randall 100%. Play Randall 30, 35 minutes a game. Like, like a guy like Hayden? Yeah. Alfred Payton, 30 minutes, and quickly has, what, 12 minutes, a few games? I mean, quickly, quickly. Oh, but, playing, but, like, it's understandably, I think it's understandable why Obi Toppin is not playing, 50, like, 20 minutes a game right now. I mean, I guess, but I think we could annoying. find for it to It's annoying. It probably will be beneficial for him, but I can, I can in some way rationalize his decision. It's quickly to me that I have the biggest problem dealing yeah. with. Yes, because Alfred Payton's not a good basketball player. But I mean, why don't you just run the offense through Rosen quickly and just scrap Rivers and 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 Alfred? I, I think you keep Bullock because he's a decent he's actually a very good defender. I think we're gonna wrap up this Knicks segment and saying, let's just see what we do at the mar at the trade deadline. I think we're if we're confident enough in Randall's ability to go with this team moving forward, which I and I think both of us don't agree that that's the best option. Let's see what we do. All I can say is I hope we don't go for any of these aging once we're superstars. They're not going to do much for us. They're going to, I would rather quickly and RJ bring us to the eight seed as a scrappy unit than DeMar DeRozan try to win a ring with us. It's never going to happen. But the last thing I want to talk about before we end this show is Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young last year. You're a Mets fan. I want to kind of hear your thoughts about this because I know a lot of you Mets fans are really disappointed in how his decision turned out. Um, you, you thought you guys were getting him. So. I just want to hear your initial thoughts on this. What What were you feeling when you when you're you got lucky, the You're lucky. Let's just say one thing. You're lucky that this podcast is PG-13, and I can't curse out Trevor Bauer right now. But what he did wasn't right. Posting, you know, the Mets caps the day before he signed. Uh, I think he's a snake. He's the Kevin Durant of the MLB right now. And, Kevin Durant of MLB. That's unfair. And I um, let's just say, I don't mind the Dodgers, but uh, let's just say I don't. I'm not praying for his best season right now. Well, I think Trevor Bauer is the opposite of a class act. 
in baseball. I think we can all agree on that. He's kind of clowned the league. You know, let's be real. He's had a pretty decent career, but last year was his first real superstar year. I mean, when he was on the Indians, he was behind Kluber 100%. Everyone can agree that. Last year was his big superstar year, and now you come out and you clown the whole league like you own the place. I mean, like, I can see Mike Trout is doing this because he's the best player in baseball and might honestly go down as the best player in baseball history. I really think that about Mike Trout. But you're Trevor Bauer. You're not some royalty in the MLB, okay? Like, and you're not a class act. And I'm a Yankees fan, so I didn't really care. But I, I get why he went to the Dodgers, okay? He wants to win. He's almost, I think he's in his 30s. And California is his home, so he wants to go to the Dodgers. But for you to just kind of clown everyone like that, it just shows the type of person you are. And honestly, I don't really understand, though, because he's going to be the third pitcher on the Dodgers. I mean, Bueller, Bueller's uh, the best pitcher. No, no, no. He's the second pitcher on the Dodgers. No, I, I, you, think, you don't think – uh Bowers better than Kirsch right now. I don't know. Why I, would they start? Why would they but 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 Kirsch has been their guy for so many years? Why would they put Bauer over Kirsch? Yeah, but the thing is, besides the playoffs, when are you really choosing between a second and a third pitcher? Like the guys no, I mean, no yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But let's just say, like in the rankings, I'd say Bueller's obviously the first. He's obviously the best. I think I mean I'm gonna be real with you. Like, I don't think Kirsch is gonna have a good season. Like I'll like I'm gonna say. For the first time we're going to career, we're going to see significant decline in Kershaw's numbers. No, I just think he's going to have a mediocre year. Yeah. yeah, no, not bad, but we're going to see. For him, it's not going to be a good season. It's going to be. I mean, it could, though, because he's coming off a World Series ring, which he's so desperately coveted. I mean, he really wanted that. So. Yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. Like, what motivation does he necessarily have at this point? That's just what I'm going to say. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of expectations on the Dodgers this year, but he doesn't have but he doesn't have the pressure on him. You know, he's the second or third string pitcher on a team. Well, I think I think I think Trevor Bauer is going to crack under the pressure. He's played in Cleveland and Cincinnati. I mean, who is watching you in Cleveland and Cincinnati, Ohio? I mean, I don't think anyone is. He also so. hyped himself up. This is where I disrespect He's Trevor. overrated. I don't even know if he's a top he's like a top seven pitcher, I'd say. Yeah, but oh, like you know what you know what I mean. Like throughout this like free agency process, like of course, like, kind of like made it seem like he was like the best pitcher in the MLB, and like like he like made it seem like everyone like like needed him, and like that like people would be doing like him a service to pay him like hundred fifty million dollars a year. That's I mean, just, he is I, making a ridiculous. So also, I think another part of his contract is he wanted to. Yeah, Mets dodged a bullet, honestly. Like. As much as I'm a Mets fan, I don't know if anyone knows that. I'm not the huge baseball guy here. You like, would have wanted – you would have liked him. Don't yeah, I would have liked him. But, like, I think there is a silver lining here that we, you know, didn't blow all of our capital. And, you know, next offseason we're going to have to still re-sign Lindor. And if we blew all of our money there, then, like, I guess Stevie – or, like, Uncle Steve would have been fine paying that much money. But, like, you know, there could be money spent other places. That's just okay. all Anyway, we're going to wrap this up. I think this, this MLB season – I mean, who's your World Series pick? Let's just end it with that. I mean, the Dodgers is just too obvious. I mean, yeah, the Dodgers is just the obvious pick. Like, I think, you don't the, think the Padres could maybe pull off an upset? No. Let's put it this way. Bad question, bad question, because the Dodgers are obviously the favorite. If there were a team to upset the Dodgers in the playoffs, would it be the Braves, the Mets, the Padres, the Cardinals of Arenado, anyone else? As much as it pains me to say this, it would be the Yankees. That's all I'm going to say. No, no, no. I mean in the NL. Oh, uh, I think the Padres probably have the best team. 
And I'm a Mets fan, so I'm going to say the Mets actually match up pretty well against the Dodgers with their rotation. I don't think they'll beat them, but I think it wouldn't be as lopsided of a series as many people think. Eh, it depends. Because the, th- the problem with the Mets is your pitching has been absolutely incredible. DeGrom's record every year is mediocre, but his ERA is insane because the Mets don't have the offense to back it up. And, yeah, you have Lindor now, I mean McCann, but your offense is still nowhere near the Dodgers. But I think – you have a few good games it could be a possibility but i think that the padres they loaded up on their on their rotation they got snell um i mean i don't know what the rays did the rays they lost morton and snell but i think darvish darvish was an awesome signing as well darvish was incredible so if the yankees it would be the padres you know i'm sorry my bias is sometimes getting the best of me it would definitely be the padres yeah i mean i don't think the mets are in that position or the braves though the braves i mean you don't know though because mike soroka missed the whole year last year and they really needed him to be a vital part of their pitching staff but i'm going to wrap it up I don't want to say it's a Yankees year because I've said this for the past three years and look, I was turned out. But that's all I'm gonna say. Not a Yankees year. It's a Dodgers year. Padres. My only that's- thing is, my only thing is, DJ LeMayu came back to us and didn't go to the Dodgers because we are so so close to that World Series. And Dude, DJ LeMayu I is think- what holds the Yankees together. DJ LeMayu is a guy that holds the Yankees together. If he Nah. comes back that gives us nope, such nope, confidence nope, nope, going nope, forward nope. all right thank you for all tuning into this episode of crunch time episode 50 we're out